Good afternoon, everyone. So good to have you with us today and welcome all those who are watching this online. Let me read the scripture for today. Today we are looking at 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 to 14. 1 Samuel 23, verses 1 to 14. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kyla and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kyla. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then, if we go to Kyla against the armies of the, of the Philistines. Then David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Kyla, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Kyla and fought the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kyla. And Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David in, to Kyla. He had come down with an ephod with his hand, in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come down to Kyla, had come to Kyla, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war, to go to Kyla to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him, and he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kyla to destroy the city on my account. Will the man of Kyla surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the man of Kyla surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Kyla, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kyla, he gave up the expedition and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Zip. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. Praise the Lord for his word. Let us pray as we begin our time together. Father, we come before you this afternoon. We thank you for every person 
in our sanctuary today and thank you for every person that is tuning in online to be with us today. Spirit of God, we ask that you will speak to us, grant us fresh insights and new revelations that we can apply in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to really thank the Lord that it is such a privilege that we can gather together in this manner. We know that the government is easing restrictions, more um, travel lanes are being opened, but let's continue to observe our safety measure as much as we can. We know that many around us are being infected. So let's keep safe and stay healthy. Today, we continue with our series on the life of David, following him on his journey before he became the king of Israel. The last time I left off with Saul, hot on the pursuit, ne? Saul was so crippled by anger, by envy and jealousy that he wanted to kill David. He thought that by killing David, he would solve all his problems. I suspect that other than envy and jealousy, Saul also didn't want the throne to be given to another tribe. You know, Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin and David was from the tribe of Judah. So it was like a tribal rivalry. So we read that Saul was in a mad and hot pursuit of David for David's life. And David started to be on the run. Let's look at a map of, on David's run. Um, maybe the next slide. The map. Okay, this map. We saw that David started from Raman, right on top there. Then he went to Nob. We saw last week that this is where he went to the priest, Ahimelech, to ask for provision. And the priest gave him bread and a sword that belongs to Goliath. Huh? We saw that last week. And it was there that David resort to lying. To lying to save his own face and to save his own life. Then he went to Geth. What happened at Geth? He pretended to be mad. That he, he was hoping to find safety there, but the people recognized him. And then he pretended to be mad so that he won't be implicated, so he won't be caught. So he ran away. And then he ran away to the cave of Aduham. So we see, we see from the map that David actually traveled quite a lot of places. And, and very likely he was on his own. David was so pressurized by Saul's pursuit that he slid from a man that he was, a man after God's heart. He slid from faith to fear that we saw last week. In a sense, understandable because King Saul had all the resources that he had at his back and call. Whereas David was alone, had nothing, and no one to depend on or turn to. 
So much so that I believe that David lost sight of God in his life and succumbed to lying because of his fear. He probably felt that God had abandoned him at a point of time. Have you ever felt that way before, that God had abandoned you? However, through it all, God did not, for, did not forget David. David was not forgotten. In chapter 22, we saw that God actually sent some encouragement and resources to David. In chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, it says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was distressed and everyone who was in debt and everyone who were bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became a commandant over them. And there with him about 400 men. So now David has become a leader. So in this couple of verses, we saw a few things. That David escaped to the cave of Adullam. Very likely, he was by himself. Their family came looking for him. His family probably got implicated because of him. So they had nowhere to run to. When they heard that David was there in the cave, they went to look for him. I'm sure David's mom was happy to see his son again. Eh? Then the men that came to him, men in distress, men in debt, men bitter in soul, were, were, they were all probably of the same mind that they could, at hoping that David could identify with them and take them in, which David did, of course. These men were on the run as well. And they all gathered to David. They put their lot with David. Then David became a commander of 400 men. And he became a leader over them. And began to have responsibility over these men. David now has a little community. From now onwards, we can see David truly as a leader. Now, David was no longer alone. However, he was still on the run for his life because of Saul's crazy pursuit for him. Then we read on in chapter 22 that David did one thing. He took his parents and put them in under the care of King Moab. And we read this. And David went from there to the Mizpah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold that is in Moab. Okay? Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went in the forest of Hereth. Just back to our map a little bit. Huh? 
Moab was on the other side of the Dead Sea, as you can see. And then, interestingly, if you look at the ancestry of David, Moab was the home of his great-grandmom, Ruth, the Moabite who married Boaz. Remember the story? Okay, we, are, we will not go and tell the story now. Huh? If you want to, just go and take a look at the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, and you will see the connection. So, David took his parents to the home of his great-grandparents and probably the home of the, the grandmother of the father. So, there is some connection there with, that David has with Moab. So, let's go back to our story with David, our journey with David. We left off last week at the end of chapter 22. At the end of chapter 22, we heard that the priest, Ahimelech, and the whole family was killed by Paul because of David, because they helped David. And David, when David heard it, he felt remorseful, he repented. And then I believe he turned his heart back to God. David seems to have sprung back to the man that he was, a man who was zealous for the Lord, to a man whose heart was truly after God. How did he manage to do that? He has slid from faith to fear, remember? I reckon that when he was in the cave of Adullam, something must have happened to him. So David emerged from that dark cave a different man, so much so that he could now totally depend on the Lord once again. Our topic today is praying for direction. One thing about prayer that you and I know is that we pray because we need to rely on the Lord. We need to rely on the Almighty God for His strength to go through different circumstances in life. We pray because we are so aware that His ways is not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We pray so that we can understand the mind of Christ, so that we can understand His ways for us, His thoughts, and receive the right perspective in the situation that we are in, be it good or bad. So we pray. When we look to God in prayer for His guidance and for direction, it is also to acknowledge our own human limitation and to tap on the rich resources that God has. Because God said, and I'll supply all your needs according to my riches in glory, right? It is then that we need to realize, it is then that we realize our need to rely on God because He knows what is ahead and what is best for us. I'm going to use the word rely as an acronym for us today. Whenever we faced difficult situations or tricky situations and challenges in life, we are often at a loss. 
like David did. We lose focus many times. And we, because why? We are so overwhelmed by our problems. And when we are overwhelmed by our problems, we cannot think straight. Anybody talk to you, uh, you don't hear. I do not know whether you're like this. I'm like that sometimes. I don't hear. Uh, one year in, one year out. Uh, that's what people say. So David was probably in a similar situation. He was running. He was tired. He was hungry. He was running away from the king who was after his life. He probably still couldn't figure out why exactly Saul was angry with him. He couldn't figure out what exactly that he has done wrong. To him, he was doing what was right and what was needful. Have you been in that situation before? Done what was right and what was needful, yet things go wrong. Yet fingers are pointing at you. And that's the time for our first letter, refocus. I believe that David had lots of moments of aloneness, being alone by himself, especially when he was hiding in the cave of Adullam. It was certainly a different environment from the beautiful green and hillside of Judea where he was tending the sheep of his father. He was then by himself playing the harp and, and worshipping the Lord in the open with the sheep. He was carefree then, so to speak. Eh? Now, he's alone again, but not as carefree. He was running away from the king. He was once again alone out in the wilderness and in a dark cave, alone. David probably had time to think about his fears, his bizarre behavior. He pretended to be mad. Maybe he was laughing to himself. Why do I do that? That in his loneliness and in his aloneness, I believe David calmed down and he cried out to God. He had no one to turn to. He had time to calm down. So God, out of his unfailing love and mercy, reached out to God. And it was probably, David was probably being reminded of God's faithfulness and goodness in his life. He was reminded of God's faithfulness and protection. God had David's full attention. He could then reflect and refocus his attention, his thoughts, God's word. He reflected on God's faithfulness and protection and then he refocused. We saw David slide from faith to fear. Now we see David moving from fear back 
to faith in God once again. David emerged from this dark cave, a, dark, a different person, a place where he reflected, refocused, and redirected his thoughts back to God. And that is why in Psalm 34, he could pen this. Psalm 34, verse 4 and 5, he said this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This is the psalm that he wrote after he came out from the cave. And even our Lord Jesus Christ, in the gospel we read of this, that our Lord showed us the importance to reflect and stay focused. In gospel, we read these two verses in Matthew chapter 14 and Mark 1. In Matthew 14, he says, after he had dismissed the crowd, after Jesus had dismissed the crowd, crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And then, in Mark it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So both David and our Lord Jesus Christ had their time of solitude, had their time of aloneness. So what can we learn from here? The lesson that we can learn from David. That in times of tricky situation, pause, stop, stay calm. Not to react and to get ourselves flustered. But it's time to stop and pause and reflect. Take time to take stock. Take time to reflect. Take time to refocus. Spend an extended quiet time with the Lord. Just spend time in the presence of the Lord, pouring out whatever that is in our heart. Then take time to remember God's goodness and faithfulness. Count the blessing. Sometimes we forget to count our blessing. We forget that the Lord has been good to us. So this is the time for us to give thanks to the Lord for the blessings so far. Scan through your life and take time to give thanks. Then refocus and redirect our attention Godward. Or like Jesus facing the challenges of the day, take time to a quiet place to reflect, to recharge to stay focused. Or better still, as I would suggest, as many would suggest, take a few days off on a personal retreat to seek God's guidance and direction. I can assure you that you will emerge, come out of the retreat clearer, more focused, more anchored in your faith and ready to face the journey ahead. I can say that because I've taken this route many times. 
And I certainly come away from the retreat feeling very much refreshed and recharged. This is one spiritual discipline that we all need to develop regularly. Now moving on, the E. In praying for direction, we definitely need to engage God and engage with others. In the passage before us in 1 Samuel 23, we saw that David engaged with God and also with the man that was with him. So David sprung back to faith. His heart was in the right place. When he heard that a nearby city was being attacked, are going to be attacked by the Philistine, the Israel's enemy, and was robbing the inhabitants, the threshing floor are the places where they keep the harvest. And robbing the inhabitants, his zealous heart was stirred again. He said, how can? And he sought to fight against the army of the Lord. But this time, he went to the Lord. In verse, in chapter 23, as we saw this, as we read it earlier, that we see in verse 2, Therefore David inquired of the Lord. And then the Lord gave him an answer. That he must have spoken to his men about what God has told him. Then the man said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David went to inquire of the Lord one more time. I guess it was understandable that now that David was a leader, he has to look at a big picture. He had to care for his people, not just his own life. He got to think of the people that he was caring for. He, can, he could not afford to think for himself alone. So he first engaged with God in prayer, consult the Lord. And he was very specific in his prayers. He says, Shall, can I go? Should I go? And the Lord gave him, say, yes, go. Then he engaged with the men. The men were afraid. Understandable, right? These, are, these were untrained men, 400 of them, untrained. They were what? They were men in distress, men who was in debt, men who was bitter in soul, so untrained. Their focus is different. They just run, want to run for their lives, but they came together to, to David. So if you were to be one of the men, I'm sure you would have felt the same way. So David needed to be more, to be more sure that he heard correctly. So you understand the man's apprehension. So David went and inquired of the Lord again. So, so what did he do? In the Singapore language, he went to double confirm. Huh? He go to God and he go double confirm. And now a second time hearing from God, he felt assured and he felt sure. And he knew that he heard from God. So after that, 
After the victory, of course, David won the man over. Then later in that chapter, in the same section, we read that David heard that King Saul was coming after him to Kyla. We see that, okay? That David knew that Saul was plotting against him. And he told the priest that has escaped. He said, bring the ephod here. And then David prayed, O Lord God of Israel. That he was, once again, he was specific in his prayer. And he said, in verse 11, O Lord God of Israel, please tell your servant. So that was, he engaged with God in prayer. Now, he could just run away, but he had, to, he had 400 people with him, you know. So, he was careful. So you may ask me, what is an ephod? Huh? Just a side note. An ephod is an artifact or an object to be reverent in ancient, ancient Israeli culture and was closely connected to oracular practices and priestly ritual. This is how in the Old Testament days, in the days of David, they come to when the king or whoever in priestly position need to seek for direction, they go to the ephod and ask for answer. So it was the ancient practice that the priests used in those days to consult God and seek for, an, and seek for direction. So David used it as Abitur had won with him when he escaped from Saul. We read in verse 6, and Abitur, the son of Ahimelech, who fled to David to Kailah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. So since that priest has it, David made good use of it. Right? And then because of that, David used the ephod to consult the Lord, and, Dave, and God spoke to David. As much as David engaged with God, David also engaged with people. We need to do that as well. That God, what lesson should we learn? That God should be our first resource, first and divine resource. As a leader, you and I, as a leader of any sort, okay, as long as we have people that we are caring for, we are a leader. At home, you are a leader to your children and cell leader, and whatever position that you hold in the office, you are a leader. Like David, we need to look at the big picture and to bring our request before the Lord. Specifically, tell the Lord, spell out to the Lord what's in your heart. Not just for ourselves individually, but for the people we represent and the people we care for. We have seven days a week. You can have a journal and write down on different days of the week who you want to pray for. So engaging with God in prayer is important. Engaging with, in prayer is our privilege. It's your privilege. It's my privilege as children of God. And it is part of our worship to God. We engage in prayer and we engage in the Word of God 
by reading His Word. We all know these famous verses. Huh? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, with pleading, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians chapter 4. Then, in Psalms 119, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So these two verses tells us the need to engage with God in prayer and the, the need to engage with God in the reading of His Word. Then the second lesson we learn also that people around us, they are our human resources and our sounding board. I'm sure you and me have friends, friends that God has given to us, friends whom we trust and know us, people who believe in us and people who know what we can do and cannot do. Friends whom we can speak freely. Friends and friendship that God has given to us to be our sounding board. They hear us, they discuss with us, they speak into our lives. However, if their views differ from what the Lord said to you, you listen to your friends or listen to God. Then we can be like David, go to God and double confirm. Okay, this, so of course we can use our God can also use our friends to speak to us and confirm what He has already spoken to us. I do have friends that I go to when I meet a crossroads or when I have ideas that a bit um, out of that overwhelming or face situation that are overwhelming and bounce off ideas with them. I'm very thankful for all of them. In David's situation, David did not allow the fear of his men to prevent him from acting on what God had instructed. He went back to God, get another confirmation and move forward confidently leading his men. So he went back to the Lord to get a confirmation. We can do that too. We can ask the Lord to confirm through people, through circumstances, through situation. That leads me to the next letter, L, listen. When we pray, when we read the Word of God, we need to allow the Lord to speak to us. And we are to listen. When we listen, we need, first of all, to listen with humility. Not all of us are very good listeners. A lot of us only listen to what we want to listen. But when we come before the Lord, we need to listen with humility. We need to listen with no preconceived ideas. Laying down our personal ideas and our wants 
and our pride. God sees what is in our heart. After pouring out what's about our heart and our mind, we be- I believe that the Lord will speak to us. He may give us a word. He may even give us a dream. But we need to listen. The problem with a lot of us is that when we pray in a specific manner, we kind of expect God to answer us in a specific manner, the way that we wish that it is answered. We choose what we want to hear. And and when something happens that is not according to what is in our mind, we say, God, can you... Can I pray again and can you answer again? It was this story, uh, this story that of, um, of this man who fell into a river and he said, God, God, please help me, please save me. A helicopter came by and let down a ladder, but he refused help. No? And then after that, a boat came by and threw out a rest throw out the one to rescue him, but he refused to rescue. Finally, of course, this man died. Then he stood before God and he asked God, God, why did you save me? And what did the Lord say? I sent you a helicopter. You refused to climb the ladder. I sent you a boat, but you refused to be safe. Then this man said, I thought that you would save me with your mighty right hand. So what, what, that was preconceived ideas, right? When we ask God for help, God can be very creative in the help that He sent. It's just like when we are unwell. We ask the Lord, Lord, please heal me. Of course, He could heal us right away if He want to. But like I say, we all get entered into the University of Hard Knocks. The Lord could heal us gradually for us to rely on Him even more or use the expertise of doctors and medication available. So our engagement, our engagement with the Lord is not to twist the Lord's arm, but rather it is for us to deepen our relationship with the Lord. And we are to listen with an open heart and mind. The only way that we can do that is to wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord as you pray, as you read the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. The idea that is given to us may be new and radical. But if you have asked the Lord, then the Lord will speak to you in a certain way and give yourself time to digest and receive. Do not be in a hurry. And we all know the famous three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. Okay, that, that is one lesson we can learn. Only one lesson we can learn in listening and that is to wait for the Lord to speak and to listen very carefully and confidently. You know, the book of Psalms is like David's journal. So here in Psalms 27, he said, When evildoers 
came upon me to devour my flesh. My adversary and my enemy, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war rises against me, in spite of this, I am confident. Be strong. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. As you read through the Psalms, you can see how David expressed his heart. And all, all that you read in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel about David's life, they are all reflected in the Psalms that he wrote. So finally, why? Com we are to yield to the Lord completely. And we, it, as we yield to the Lord, we need to trust and obey him. In verse 5, it says, And David and his men went to Kailah and fought the Philistine and brought away livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kailah. So David heard the word. He took action. He trusted God completely. Just trusting is not good enough. You need to obey. You need to take action. David was so sure that God would give him the victory. And David led his men and saved the people of Kailah and brought back resources for his army. The mini untrained army of David proved to be more powerful than the trained army of Philistines simply because God said they listened and they stepped forward in faith, and God gave them the victory. David trusted God completely, and he did not doubt. As we saw just now, that he must have shared with his men. But after David assured them that God will give the Philistine over, they went. I remember watching the Bible series. There is this series of movies called the Bible. And whenever you watch the people go to war, they would shout with their sword held high, and there's one thing they, they would shout. For God, for Israel, I believe they did that. For God, for Israel, and they went against the Philistine army. And they won. And of course, in the case of Saul, David now had 600 men. They, when, God, when David heard very clearly what God had told him, what did he do? They, they departed from Kyler and they went wherever they could. And what did Saul do? Saul gave up the expedition and, they, and God protected David, in end of verse 14, it says, And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. David did not doubt the word of God. God watched over David and did not deliver him over to Saul. Now, in his journal, in Psalms 31, David wrote this. 
I will rejoice and be glad in your faithfulness because you have seen my misery. You have known the troubles of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. Lessons we learn. Believe and trust in the Lord, in God's word completely. In Psalms 119, it says this, Blessed are those whose ways is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who comply with his testimonies and seek him with all their heart. They also do no justice, they walk in his ways. Walking in the ways of the Lord also means being doers of the word of God. This, I think, for a, a lot of us, the most difficult part to do, most difficult part, be doers of the Word of God. James, in his letter, tells us that in James 1.22, so prove yourself doers of the Word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. Hearing the Word of God is fine. Reading the Word of God is fine. Applying it. Sometimes it's a bit challenging. But we need to do this. Take the leap of faith and just trust and obey. Easy to say but difficult to do. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who is our helper. So let us learn to rely on the Lord in every circumstances. In sharing this with you, I'm also telling myself, learn to rely on the Lord. Telling myself and reminding myself that we should make God our first resource and not the last resort. If we do that, it will save us from a lot of headaches and heartache. So in summary, refocus, redirect, our thoughts, God word. Engage with God. Talk to your friends. Not sure, go back to God. Then listen. Listen with humility. Listen with an open heart. Then stepping forward and yielding to the Lord completely as we trust and obey. Let us pray. Father, we realize today that Sometimes we do not, many times rather, we, you are not our first resource, resource, but when everything fails, we come to you. But help us, help us to meet you our first resource and not last resort. Help us to engage with you in prayer, to rely on you completely. And help us, Holy Spirit that when the Lord speaks, that we will not doubt. And we will learn to trust and obey. In Jesus' name, amen.